Inspired by the issues of human oppression, political and social injustice, and the human inhumanity to other humans, Michael Tippett's A Child of Our Time is as relevant today as it was at its first performance in March 1944. Tippett began composing his oratorio two days after the outbreak of World War II, Reacting to the general state of social injustice and human suffering in Europe at the time, the composer explains his motivations. I knew from the first that the work itself had to be anonymous and general in order to reach down to the deeper levels of our common humanity. Words of Jeffrey Poland in 1994 in his essay, Michael Tippett's A Child of Our Time, an oratorio for our time. Jeffrey Poland, writing there in 1994, contends that Tippett's oratorio was as timely then as it was 50 years earlier when it was first performed. And now, almost 40 years after that, Rick Hoffenberg conducted a performance of A Child of Our Time in the fall of 2021 at Marywood University. And he was moved by the power of the oratorio to speak to us in the here and now, even before the invasion of Ukraine. In the spring concert programs at Marywood University, Dr. Hoffenberg has chosen a variety of pieces, many familiar to us and in delightful arrangements. On April 29th, the Marywood Concert Choir will perform the Mass in G minor by Rayfon Williams. The Mass has been called unique in its timelessness by Frank Granville Barker. And so perhaps another work speaking to us across the years, a piece first performed in 1922, now 100 years ago this year. The Mass ends with the traditional Agnus Dei, a plea for peace, Dona Nois Pacem. And Granville Barker points out that even though there may be a certain anonymity in the other sections of the Mass set by Vaughan Williams, Anonymity is a word Tippett used for his oratorio, as we just heard. Vaughan Williams is asserting here his personality quite strongly in the soloist's prayer of the Agnus Dei, this from a composer who knew the suffering of World War I firsthand. All that from Frank Granville Barker. As it happens, this weekend, the Marywood Chamber Choir will perform folk tunes and spirituals and a different setting of the Agnus Day. Grant us peace. Dr. Hoffenberg paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk with us about the Samuel Barber setting of the Agnus Day and the rest of the program and about music making at Marywood.
last year, which was, of course, the toughest year, our larger choir, concert choir, was on hiatus. I read every study I could get my hands on and thought long and hard about ways that we could continue it. And I, I didn't feel there was a way to do it that was both safe and that retained its integrity as an ensemble. I, I have to say, as much as I admire the uh, virtual choirs that proliferated last year, they didn't really meet my aims to help uh, students experience an ensemble from the standpoint of the educational experience. It's a tremendous amount of work to sew together all these different performances individually that that singers standing in their own environments put together, but it just didn't hold interest for me because to me, it's really not a true ensemble. So we just put that choir on hold for over a year and we were excited to start again with the Tip It A Child of Our Time with the Marywood Orchestra this past fall. And we've been singing with masks uh, ever since then. And at the beginning of the fall 2021 semester, I initiated a policy that anyone who was participating with us in person had to be fully vaccinated. I felt that was necessary in order to ensure the safety of an ensemble that has a variety of ranges. We have people who have medical concerns, might be immunocompromised, and I just want to respect that, of course, and do everything I can to keep, keep everyone safe. And then our small choir, our chamber singers, I'm happy to say, continued to rehearse and perform throughout the pandemic. We made adaptations, of course, in addition to the masking. Because of the smaller size, we were able to physically distance that choir. And so that really made the difference, I think. And the students felt comfortable with the adaptations. We rarely rehearsed as an entire choir together. We did a lot of rehearsing, not just in sectionals, but with two parts at a time and in alternate venues that allowed more open air circulation. And so we did whatever we could to keep keep the music going. And I have to say, I felt incredibly grateful around the one year anniversary of the start of the pandemic. So this would have been around March and April of 2021. Uh, I saw a lot of colleagues posting on Facebook and, and other places you know, it's been it's been a year since I've been able to do any conducting, and my heart just went out to them, and I I felt very fortunate that we were able to continue in some way, even if it wasn't exactly the way we do it normally. We had to speak with you by phone, and we did about a child of our time, that oratorio by British composer Michael Tippett, written in those terrifying years, 1939, 1940, 1941. And now that you've been through it, Tell us about the resonances that you felt. Oh boy, it, it's hard to summarize it briefly. It, it's so profound that that piece, I think, moved me like few other choral works have. There's an incredible fusion of text and music that paints such a, a vivid picture of Tippett's stance on this horrendous situation that was unfolding in World War II, and this was his way of being a political activist by using his compositional genius to tell a story through the guise of music, tell a story about a teenager, a boy really, who was targeted by 
the Nazis and whose killing of a, a German official led to these awful pogroms, Kristallnacht, and the situation continued to worsen and unfold, of course, as World War II progressed. But the, the way that history maybe doesn't repeat itself, but rhymes, couldn't be more true today. I mean, the Ukraine situation has developed since we performed in the fall, but there are constantly situations nowadays that have such strong resonances to what was going on in, in World War II. And I think everyone involved with the piece really was taken in by it. What have you planned for the spring? So uh, we have two concerts coming up, actually. This Saturday night, our smaller choir, Chamber Singers, will be performing a concert of a cappella works that includes a number of pieces that people will know. We have folk songs and spirituals, including Amazing Grace and Shenandoah. I, I want people to come and feel good about listening to this concert. That also balances a focus of the concert on one particular composer who writes extraordinary choral music but might be unfamiliar to audiences. His name is Wolfram Buchenberg. He's a German composer, about 60 years old, and he's fairly well-known and well-respected in his home country, but not well-known in the United States. And I've been waiting for the right time to feature his music. Uh, so we're doing two significant pieces by him, a setting of the Veni Creator Spiritus, also a setting of four German language pieces, which he calls Vier uh, Geistliche Gesänge, which just means four sacred songs. And they're, they're quite accessible in that they're hauntingly beautiful and uh, resolutely tonal, but also firmly a product of the 20th and 21st centuries in that he uses some contemporary choral techniques in really interesting ways and they're really beautiful they don't sound like any other composer that i know and i'm excited i'm excited to do these pieces for for people this concert on saturday will be the first time that we've performed all four of the four sacred pieces and they're quite challenging. It's it's a significant undertaking, but we're excited. And, and as I say, there will also be, we'll be doing Palestrina and a number of folk songs and spirituals, including a couple of settings by the, the late, great Moses Hogan, who was taken from us much too early. And one other piece on the program that people will recognize, I think, is Samuel Barber's own choral setting of his Adagio for Strings, his most famous piece, which... More than 30 years after he wrote the original, he set to the Latin text Agnus Dei, the last movement of the Mass Ordinary. And it's incredibly beautiful for a cappella voices. It's very difficult because the, the lines are so long and so sustained, the voices really don't get a rest. And 
certainly with all due respect to the difficulties of string playing, I think there's a difficulty in singing these endless lines that even goes beyond what a string player has to, to deal with in sustaining those lines. So it's, it's quite challenging, but we're excited to do it. I think very beautiful. Now, did you say something about a tour? We are touring, yes. And that will be the first time in, in a number of years for obvious reasons. We toured every year, every May from 2009 to 2019. And then, of course, we had to cancel our tours in 2020 and, and 2021. But next month, we will be hitting the road. We're going to be taking a Northeast tour. It'll take us through New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts. And we'll be launching the tour with a concert at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. So we're excited to perform there. And anybody happens to be in any of those places, I'll make sure that the tour venues are posted in a link to the Marywood website so that people know where we're performing. But Monday... May 16th will be the beginning of the tour in St. Patrick's Cathedral, and then after that, Fairfield, Connecticut, Norwich, Connecticut, Providence, Rhode Island, and finally Cambridge, Massachusetts on the 21st of May. Now a chance to bring the larger ensemble back together again. Right, and this is the first time we've brought the large choir into the rotunda in a few years uh, since before the pandemic. It's always fun to perform in that amazing space. And a piece that has been on my short list to do in that space seemingly forever is the Von Williams Mass in G minor. So I didn't necessarily plan it this way all along, but we did a major British piece in the fall in the Tippet Child of Our Time. And now we're doing another piece by Von Williams, of course, 20th century British composer. And you know, this piece, I think it was, first of all, meant for a place like the Rotunda. Von Williams intended for the piece to be suitable for liturgical use, even though it's often performed as a, a concert work. And the way he writes it draws upon Renaissance choral music, Tudor choral music by, by British composers of that time. And yet it still sounds like 20th century choral music. It definitely draws upon both eras and fuses them in a really marvelous way. The scoring is for double chorus and a quartet of soloists, all a cappella. So that many vocal lines gives him a lot of possibilities for different textures, antiphonal textures between the choirs or between the soloists in the choir, or sometimes beautiful eight-part homophonic chords and he uses all of those possibilities. It's, it's a really striking piece. And we know that he did have exposure and experience with war, the First World War and the Pastoral Symphony coming right. out of his being at Ecoivre in France as an ambulance orderly. A absolutely, and this, this mass was written not long after that. He started it in 1920 and wrote the bulk of it in, in 1921. So certainly his days as an ambulance driver in France were in recent memory at that time. But he also, he had made his mark on a number of genres. Some of his choral pieces are known and beloved by choral musicians, but you know, his nine symphonies are, there's wonderful material in there, including a great choral symphony, the Sea Symphony. He wrote operas, he wrote 
chamber music, he really, I think he's n not given enough credit for being as wide, far-reaching a, a composer as he was. It's not a long piece. No, it's true. It's less than the, it's less than half the full length of our concert. It'll be the final piece on our program. We're actually preceding it with pieces by composers who were born around the same time, contemporaries of Vaughan Williams, and intentionally not all British. It's interesting to hear the range of compositional styles among composers born around the same time. We, we sort of bookend it with Brits. We start with Holst, the composer to whom Vaughan Williams dedicated the Mass in G minor. We're doing his setting of Nunc Dimittis, which opens with this really extraordinary unfolding of an eight-part chord, and I think it'll be the perfect way to, to open the concert. There are a lot of other, a variety of other things on the concert. There's a fantastic piece by Amy Beach called Help Us, O oh God. And, you know, that I can't figure out why this piece is not done more often. It is quite hard, I will say. In some ways, might be the hardest piece on the program. It's in three sections, the outside sections for mixed voices, the middle section mostly just for treble voices, but very demanding she really wrote for a fine choir. And so hopefully we're up to the task. We're going to do our best, but it's been a, a wonderful challenge to work on. And we're also doing some pieces that, that choral aficionados may be familiar with. One is a piece by Pablo Casals. Pablo Casals, of course, is best known to audiences as one of the great cellists of all time, but he wrote quite a few choral pieces and Ovos Omnes might be his most famous. There are a couple that are, are well-known, and, and this is one of them. Very, very emotionally raw, and I think will be stunning in the rotunda. We're doing a piece by the Russian composer Chesnikov, who was regarded as probably the greatest Russian choral composer of his generation, and it's it's just beautiful, mostly homophonic in that, in that Russian way, with deep bass notes and beautiful chords. We're doing a piece by Max Rager, one of his late pieces. Max Rager, one of the great organ composers of all time, but also wrote a wealth of choral music, some of which is very complex. But this piece, late in life, he said, well, late in his short life, he said he aimed for a new simplicity. And so this piece, it's called Der Mensch. It's from a set of eight motets that he wrote in his early 40s, which was just before he died, sadly. It's it it sounds fairly simple with just these beautiful alternating chords, but it actually has a lot of skips that are pretty tricky for the choir. One other piece I want to be sure to mention is a piece that uh, there's no recording on YouTube. I have never heard a performance of it, and it is fascinating. It's by the composer Samuel Coleridge Taylor. It's called Sea Drift, and 
the the poetry is really interesting. I usually just print translations in the the program, but this time I'm actually printing the English text because in the rotunda it's very hard to understand words, and I I want people to be able to read this story of this really interesting uh, a captain and a woman that he describes in really interesting ways in their allegories to ancient texts and. It's a really interesting piece. Samuel Coleridge Taylor was, at the time, known as the Black Mahler, and it was meant as a term of admiration and endearment in the context of of its time because it was seen as unusual for uh, a composer of color to achieve the heights that he did, sadly. Sadly that it was all too rare. He had a hard life died just after his 37th birthday, but he did achieve great fame with his Hiawatha cantatas. And there are some other great pieces that are just just starting to be discovered. And this, Sea Drift, is a, is a marvelous one. And uh, I still have never heard a performance recorded or live. And one of the choir members is actually so excited about it he wants to make sure that we record our performance since it's so hard to locate a performance dr rick offenberg associate professor of choral conducting and director of choral activities at marywood university in scranton speaking about the spring choral concerts on the campus dr hoffenberg told us about this weekend's performance of the chamber singers Saturday, April 23rd at 7.30 p.m., and that's in the Marion Chapel. The works include the Agnus Day setting of Samuel Barber, works by Wolfgang Buchenberg, Palestrina, folk songs and spirituals, and more. Admission is free. That's this Saturday at 7.30 p.m. in the Marion Chapel on the Marywood campus in Scranton. Admission is free. That's the Chamber Singers. And then on Friday, April 29th and Saturday, April 30th at 7.30 each evening, the concert choir will perform this work, the Mass in G minor by Rafe von Williams. Agnus Dei. We told us Petata Mundi, Dona Nobis Pacem, grant us peace. That's the conclusion of the Mass and the conclusion of the concert. But before that, there will be pieces by Samuel Coleridge Taylor, Gustav Holst, Pablo Casals, Amy Beach, and more. Admission is free, and those concerts on Friday and Saturday, the 29th and 30th at 7.30 in the evening, will take place in the Rotunda in the Liberal Arts Center on the Marywood campus.